get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. This is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we'll be discussing my relationship with Vince McMahon. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How are you doing today, Paul? Hey, Kurt. I'm doing well, man. It's been a busy last few days. I'm not going to lie. I was uh, down in Nashville for uh, StarCast, saw Ric Flair's last match. That had which, to be a blast, huh? Yeah, which, by the way, you can still order it on Fight, RicFlair'sLastMatch.com. Kurt, it was it was it was awesome. Got to see a lot of your old uh, dancing partners uh, backstage: Rey Mysterio, Undertaker, Bret Hart. They were all there. Uh, it was just it was crazy. And Mike Kyoto was there, the referee. So it was a really good I mean, time. They brought in those guys for Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, they were all sitting ringside, bro. Oh, that is awesome. So it kind of felt like that big style, like UFC deal. You know how they flash to the audience and sure. show the front row? All the fighters there, yeah. That was the same exact thing. You had Taker, Bret Hart. You had uh, Santino Morella was there, uh, Vicky Guerrero, all these uh, Bully Ray, just a, a litany of guys. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. But, buddy, as soon as I got back into town, my first priority was to watch your documentary on a <laughs> and And I was just talking to you about it before we got on. Uh, there was uh, it was an emotional journey that I don't know that I was prepared for. Uh, we heard some stories that I don't know that I've heard uh, about you and about your family in the past, man. It, it was so good, Kurt. Yeah, it was a bit of a tearjerker. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I didn't expect it to be, but you know, after we got done with it and I, I saw it over again. I, I even cried. <laughs> was, you I'm know, sure. And it was me, you know, uh, th- it was the documentary was about me, but it was, um, the, the, the director did a really good job with this. He put it together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you were telling me, uh, as well that, Hey, there's going to be one that's got even more footage and also more, even your TNA experience, more comprehensive, even from your childhood, and you're what next year peacock yeah so i'm peacock in 2023 so the kurt angle documentary it's called angle that's what the documentary is called it'll be airing on peacock in 2023 man that's awesome so that's one to keep an eye out for i'm sure if it's anything like the a and e and i think your fans are going to dig that even more just especially because like you said they're going to get that tna uh piece of it too a little bit more of me growing up and a little bit more of TNA. Uh, when WWE got a hold of the documentary, they added in a lot of WWE stuff. And Absolutely. I don't blame them for that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this documentary is my whole life story. Mm, all right. Good stuff. Uh, I can't wait to, uh, I'm going to sit down w- with my wife and, uh, and son, when he gets back from his little summer vacation, we're going to rewatch your <laughs> A&E thing. Uh, it was, it was that good. So 
Uh, Kurt, it's a, a pleasure to be with you. I think tomorrow, as we're recording this, you're going to be at Icons of Wrestling in Philadelphia doing meet and greets, right? Yeah, I'll be doing a meet and greet from 11 to 2. I'm going to have a lot of fun meeting the fans. Can't wait. Uh, I'm going to join you there for that and hang out yes. with you, so I'm looking forward to it. So let's jump into what we're here to discuss today. And my goodness, what a name, what a topic, especially right now. It's Vince McMahon is this week's episode, and we've talked about your first ever meeting with Vince, but I want you to share, you shared a little bit with it on that A&E documentary, that first day you pull up to Stanford, bring us up to speed on everything. What was it like that first day meeting Vince? Well, WWE contacted me right after the Olympics, after I won the gold medal, and they invited me up to Stanford, Connecticut to the headquarters, and I met with Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. And uh, they offered me an incredible contract. It was, it was very lucrative. Uh, probably the best contract they ever offered to anyone that's never tried out or ha has ever been involved in pro wrestling. I, I didn't even watch it as a kid. And uh, it was a half a million dollars a year for 10 years. Uh, for To me, as an Olympian, I made $35,000 winning the Olympic gold medal from the <laughs> Olympic Committee. That's about it. That's about all the money I made in the Olympics. Uh, besides some endorsements I did, obviously. But um uh, you know, this was money I never saw before. And I was like, wow. But the thing was, I said, hey, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, so I can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand the business. I didn't understand you put each other over. And that's how guys get more popular and you build each other up. I just thought, you know, I'm a gold medalist. I haven't lost in years. I might as well stay undefeated in pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, they looked at each other, Bruce and Vince, and they said, okay, take the contract home and we'll get back to you. And, um, you know, you could tell by Bruce's face, he was like, okay, this guy's freaking crazy, <laughs> you know, saying what I said, but I took it back to my agent who was a former amateur wrestler. And he was a pro football player. Uh, his name's Ralph Sindrich. And, uh, he said, you're not doing this crap. You're a real wrestler. Stick with the real wrestling. I'll get you something else. And, um, so I passed it up. He threw it in the trash in his office and that was it. So, uh, I, you know, I ended up taking a sports casting job in Pittsburgh for a year and that didn't work out very well. So I love the clip. You, I saw you posted it on your social media, but it's where you're being interviewed and you're saying if you're offered, what, what was it like $3 million, <laughs> three million for, for three years? Yeah. yeah. You were like, no, absolutely not. I'm a pro wrestler. <laughs> no, um, I'm a real wrestler. I'm an yeah. Yeah. Wrestler. Yeah. Real wrestler. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, so good, man. So funny. So let's talk a little bit more though about Vince. What were your first impressions sitting down? You said him and Bruce were there first impressions of Vince McMahon. Surprisingly, he was very normal. <laughs> you know, he, he was very professional, uh, didn't crack any jokes, didn't do anything too crazy. Uh, like, you know, when he, when he met with, um, uh, who was the football player, um, uh, that did the throw up gimmick. Oh, oh, uh, um, Darren Drozdov. Darren Drozdov. Yeah. When he met with him with puke. Yeah. You know, he was like, you're going to puke. Yeah. yeah. You're going to puke. <laughs> and, you know, that, that was his first impression of Vince, Darren Drozdov. Yeah. Mine was different. He was very professional, very well behaved. Ah, that's cool. So you talked to us about the offer. You talked to us about um, everything that went down. Did you have another meeting before signing the developmental contract in 1998? Well, not really. Um, what happened was when I took the sports casting job that didn't work out, I started watching raw on TV and I really liked it. First time I ever watched it. I fell in love with stone cold, Steve Austin. And I was like, I can do this. 
So I called those guys in mid 1998 and I talked to Jim Ross and I said, Hey, does that contract still stand <laughs> from 1996? He said, Nope, <laughs> you're going to have to come up and try out. And you know what? My, I've always worked for everything I ever had. And it wasn't a surprise to me. I, I've always had to work for everything I've ever accomplished. So this was no different. I was going to have to work my way up the ladder. And the crazy thing is that contract um, that I got the first contract was $75,000 guarantee a year. <laughs> that was Unbelievable. It, compared to a half a million. So, uh, you know, they, they started me out very um, humbly. Yeah. But I'd say at this point, your motivation and interest is way different because you did go back and expose yourself to the brand. You saw stone cold and you saw the athleticism that was involved. So now you had a hunker all of a sudden. Oh yeah. I was into it. I, I fell in love with it. Just watching it. Yeah. And uh, I was like every other WWE fan. I, I really enjoyed it and uh, I couldn't wait to do it. Yeah, no, that's so cool. So, uh, again, and I keep saying this cause I just watched the, uh, the, the documentary, but we saw video and clips of you and, and doing the training. You're in the Funkin' dojo with Dory Funk Jr. Tom Pritchard, who I absolutely love. Dr. Tom was there involved in a lot of the photos. Do you see or hear from Vince while you're training there? You know what? Uh, they had the training facility for the Dory Funk dojo camp. It was in the warehouse, which is a few miles from the headquarters. But at the headquarters, that's where the weightlifting gym was. And every every morning we go into the gym and work out. And every once in a while, Vince would pop in and, and work out, have a quick workout. And uh, he would say hi to everybody, and we'd say hi to him. But that was about it. So okay, just saying hi to him. Talk a little bit about though. And I know they showed the training, but I want you to talk a little bit more training with Doctor Tom and uh, and Funk and Dory Funk Jr. What was that like working with those guys? You know what they were really good at the basics. Bumping, selling, uh, um, chain wrestling—that's most of the stuff that we learned, and and it was stuff that was very crucial to my career because that's what I—that's what I had to learn. Um, you know, the bumping is the first most important thing. The selling is the second most important thing, if not the most important. I, I would switch that around and say selling is most important, bumping second most important, and chain wrestling—you got to know how to chain wrestle. You have to know how to start a match and get the fans into it. And, uh, those guys were the best at it. They, they were the complete best. Yeah. Yeah. No, I often talk to Dr. Tom, just a little, I'm going to show for adfreeshows.com. He has a show on there, uh, every two weeks. It's a mailbag show, but man, he always puts you over curtain just that how quickly you took to the business. There's some that it takes a little bit of time to, to acclimate and get used to what you're supposed to do, selling, bumping the whole nine yards. But he says, man, I don't know if there was anybody that took to it faster than Kurt Angle and really progressed through the reps. He thinks very highly of you. So there you go. Well, I appreciate that. I love I love Tom. Um, I, I, I was a student of the game. I, I was obsessed with it. And that's why I learned so quickly. What I did is I forgot everything I ever learned in my life. Because amateur wrestling and pro wrestling are the complete opposite. You don't sell in amateur wrestling. You don't show any emotion. You go for the pin right away. You don't tell a story in a match. So I had to forget everything I ever learned. I even forgot about all my super. I let my opponent throw me around and bump me around and learned the opposite way. Instead of having a, an offensive approach, I had a defensive approach. And I learned from that and then build on it and then start turned it, start turning that into offense. But I think I did it the right way. Absolutely. So let's get into it. You go to TV for the first time in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, yeah. glorious Pittsburgh. It's March 2nd, 1999. And you do the skit with Tiger Ali Singh. Did you see Vince there? Is he producing the segment with you? Is he involved? Oh, Tell us yeah, about that. Yeah. He produced the whole segment. He, 
he uh, told me what to do, what to say, how to say it. Uh, you know, you, you had to follow his, his, uh, you know, uh, directions. To yeah. 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 Vince is very stern about that stuff. So I had to make sure I did everything the way he wanted it done. <laughs> nah, that's cool. And then you're on the road for about six months doing dark matches at most of the TV tapings. Are you interacting, spending time? Is he coaching you? Is he giving you tips while you're doing all that with the dark matches? Hell no. He has too much to worry about. I mean, he doesn't have to worry about a talent that's coming into TV. He has to worry about the talent that's on TV. Ah, good so, point. You know, Vince, he, he's very limited with his time. Uh, you're lucky to get five minutes with him if you want to meet with him. So uh, Vince was concerned with the product, and I didn't blame him. I knew that once I started, I would get his attention. Now, what about you? Because you're such a sponge for wrestling. When you were done your dark match, do you hang out and watch the rest of the card? You pack your bags <laughs> and hit is, the road. Great. <laughs> uh, funny story. I, I was doing my match and I was leaving <laughs> right afterward. <laughs> and Shane McMahon caught me one night. He said, Kurt, you can't leave. You're going to get heat with the other wrestlers. You have to respect them and watch them have their matches. You have to stay till the end of the night. And not only that, you're going to improve so much more. And Shane was right. I, the longer I stayed, the more I stayed, the more I improved. Watching those guys and seeing what they did and how they sold and the moves they did, I I, I was learning so quickly because Good. of that. I was studying every match, and it, it, Shane was exactly right. Yeah, no, that's cool too. If Shane needs to come over, whisper in your ear, "Hey, buddy." He, he didn't tell on me. He told me, no. "Hey, don't, don't do that's this." That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So let's talk about the vignettes because here we go. And uh, is Vince the one that's hands on with the build up, the vignettes that are that are being televised before your debut at Survivor Series? Yes, it was all Vince's idea. The three eyes came from Vince, intensity, integrity, and intelligence. He wanted me to be this clean-cut Olympic hero uh, that drank milk, didn't swear, was a role model for kids because he knew the WLB fans would puke all over it. <laughs> so, and you didn't think they would. You thought no, they'd embrace it. Like, Vince, they're going to love me. I'm an Olympic gold medalist, and I am clean-cut, and I am the golden boy, and I do drink milk. And, uh, you know, and he's like, well, they're going to hate you for it. I trust me. They, they don't know who you are yet. They know you want a gold medal, but they don't know you personally. And until they know you, they're going to shit on you. Yeah, buddy. This is the attitude era guy like that. They are just going to shit all <laughs> Stone over. Cold Steve Austin was yeah. the biggest baby face in the business. And he drank beer and flipped the, everybody off. I mean, <laughs> you know, and he, so it, it was the complete opposite. Oh man. So how quick did Vince realize that your character is going to be very much comedy oriented? You know what? Uh, he he just he just gave me vignettes to do and uh, told me just to you know do your best and uh, I didn't even know I had the gift. I'm not saying I have a gift of oh you do buddy acting Don't, or yes you do be comedic, but um, I didn't know it and uh, they just tried it and every week there was something different. You know Brian Gowers the writer he was incredible. Who's going to be on next week? Yes, next week, man! I can't wait. He's our our guest of our show. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, um, I had a, what were you talking about, Paul? We were just talking about the gift as far as your comedy, uh, you know, yeah, Vince yeah, you know what? I, I didn't know I had it. Uh, they were utilizing me as long as I, I, I did really well. So they pre-recorded it to see if it would turn out well. And if it did, they would, they would air it. And I was, I was doing it properly. I was doing it the right way. So they kept airing every one of them. But I think Vince was a little nervous that if he wasn't able to do this, we're not going to air them. But I was I was passing the test and I was passing with flying colors and he didn't realize nobody realized I was going to be that funny. I didn't think it. 
Well, and you said you questioned yourself when you started to answer me the first, like, I'm not saying I have a gift, buddy. You and I have watched enough segments at this point on this show. You, you got it. it you were hilarious, man. And, uh, it was just, it just clicked. It, it was yeah, so good. You know, you know, what was great was having an incredible writer. I'm not going to lie to you. I know I toot about Brian all the time, but the stuff he did for me, what he wrote for me was amazing. We had great chemistry together and that's why we were able to be funny together. Uh, you know, he also, uh, he also wrote for the rock and Chris yes. Jericho and edge and Christian. Those guys are the most entertaining guys in the business. Ryan Gewurz deserves a lot of credit for a lot of the stuff we Oh, I can't wait to talk with him next week. We're going to play some of your old clips too, of uh, some of the segments you wrote. It's <laughs> going to be a great time. Ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about Vince? Is he helping you? Because we've seen sometimes backstage clips where he's coaching wrestlers with mannerisms and how to say things and, and do it this way. Was that some of the hands-on that you were getting from him or was he just letting you do your thing? No, at first. Yes. He was there for, you know, probably the first four weeks, all the pre-tapes I did. He was overlooking everything. He wanted to make sure I did it properly. If I did it wrong, he would say, adjust it this way, say it okay. this way and that way. So Vince was always there for me, especially the first four weeks. Uh, there you go. It sounds, I mean, it sounds what he does. That's what he's a genius with. It's developing characters and he knows he what genius. he likes. Yeah. <laughs> what about the pressure? Let's talk about the pressure from Vince. As you get started, you're moving up the card and you're getting all these titles in the first year. Is, is, are you feeling pressure from him or is it more like encouragement? Hey, keep doing your thing. Loving what I'm seeing from you. It was more encouragement. I, I was building confidence every week because I was getting better and better. My promos with my pre-tapes, with my wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just kept getting better and keeping, kept on improving. And, uh, I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know why, but, uh, it was just coming to me very quickly. And I was just, uh, utterly amazed at myself, to be honest with you. Um, you're just so naturally I never gifted. Did anything like this? Yeah. Like yeah. I was a, an amateur wrestler that showed no emotion and was sure. never funny in his life. And uh, you know, now I'm going in and being one of the most entertaining wrestlers in the business. It's crazy. Kurt, did you ever act in school plays? I mean, did you have any acting no, experience? But you know what? In high school and college, I used to. Back then, you you, you got picked on. If you went to plays yeah. or were in plays, if you were the artsy okay, I'm guy, sorry, but back then in the 1980s, yeah. you know, they, they'd call you a pussy, you know? Right. So I was obsessed with it. <laughs> so like I would take, I, I would set up, I, I would take classes like credits for high school where I would set up for the plays and, uh, and then I would go to them and I would go with a hat on so nobody could recognize me. I, <laughs> I was obsessed <laughs> with acting. I loved it. That's and, cool. Uh, you know, that's probably why I got into WWE. It is some form of acting to an extent, but um, I, I knew that uh, my love for acting was, was there. And uh, WWE was a great uh, beginning point for me. Sure. So what you're trying to say is if we look back through your yearbooks, we won't see you in, in the Glee Club at all. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let's get into some other fun stuff here. I can't wait for this. Uh, did it make you feel weird doing the segments with Stephanie, particularly the kissing one with Vince right there directing it, staring at you? Oh, my God. You know what? It, it, was, it was weird. It was very uncomfortable. And, you know, Vince... Not only was he directing, he was literally two feet away from us. That's so like, weird, man. Camera was right here. Stephanie <sighs> and I are here. And Vince was right behind the camera looking at us like that. And it, I'm not saying he felt he looked like he was aroused, but was, he was into it. Was it. Like, this looked like, I, I want to see this. <laughs> so, uh, so I kissed Stephanie and I do it like this because I'm nervous as hell. 
You look like a duck. He's got duck lips. I look like a duck. Fish lips, right? So Stephanie afterwards says, you kiss like a fish. I said, what the hell do you want me to do? You want me to slip you the tongue while your dad's watching? (laughs) And plus, you're married to Triple H. (laughs) Oh, man. So were were there any practicing? Was there like practice kissing sessions or anything? No, no. You know what? We honestly, in WWE, very seldom do they ever rehearse stuff. It's just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like you your rap battle. To. We, yeah. we got to keep going, sticking and moving. I don't know. I'm, I'm just having fun. I figured there was no practicing, but <laughs> <sighs> that's me living vicariously through you. So listen, <laughs> what's the call? Like when Vince says, man, you're going to be defeating the rock and you're going to become world freaking champion. What's that like, dude? It blew my mind. I'm going to beat the rock for the world championship. One of the greatest superstars of all time. And, and I think the reason was, and this is what he told me, Vince, at SummerSlam that year, a couple months before, um, uh, I had a triple threat with Triple H in The Rock, and I got a concussion. Triple H went to pedigree me through the table. The table broke early, and I landed down on the concrete floor on my head and got a concussion. And I went backstage, and you know what? The match was supposed to be that way, but I wasn't supposed to really get a concussion, but I did. So I was supposed to get wheeled back anyway. So I was supposed to be away from the match for five or ten minutes and then come back and save the day. Well, I get wheeled back there and uh, I have a real concussion. <laughs> Vince is going crazy. Like, what are we going to do? We need him to go back to the ring. And I, I'm laying there and they're filming all of it, the, the production team. And I'm saying, uh, uh, I have a pre-tape now. And they're like, yes. So I had a live tape. It was a live pre-tape. Yeah. Uh, and I, Stephanie's saying, hey, will you go out and help Triple H? And I was supposed to say, I'll do it for you, Steph. I'll do it for you. And they they said it to me and, I, and they were getting ready to shoot. And I said, Wait, what am I saying again? Oh, they said, no. just say, I'll do it for you, Steph. I said, okay, what am I saying again? <laughs> I said it like five times. You were out and of Vince it. Vince goes, God damn it. Someone get him some smelling salts. <laughs> oh no. So eventually I, I come to come to life. I'm, I'm able to get up and I go out to the ring. Stephanie guides me out to the ring. And when I get out there, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a concussion. I don't remember what I have to do in the match. So Stephanie's telling me what to do. She's walking me down, hold my arm. I get to the ring and she says, okay, when, when the rocks hits the ropes, grab his foot and pull him out of the ring. I said, okay. So I do it. I look at her. She's like, pick him up. And I pick him up and I look at her and she goes, throw him into the steps. She thought I was, I would like pick up on what I had to do. And you, you did Because naturally, you know, if you pull someone out, you're going to throw him into steps. I didn't know because I had a concussion. So, and then I, I throw him to the steps and I'm staring at her for like five seconds. She goes, Get in the fucking ring. <laughs> so I, I get in the it. ring and then Triple H calls the rest of the match to me. So Vince, and the reason he had me beat the Rock for the world title, he had me win it earlier because he knew he could depend on me. Even with a concussion, I went out there and wrestled and I proved to him that I'm loyal to him. And Vince felt that he owed it back to me. So he said, listen, you're going to beat the Rock World Championship. We're going to give you a nice long title reign. And I thought that was awesome. And you know what? He didn't have to do that. Um, you know, I, I was excited just to go to work every week. I didn't have to win the world title. Don't get me wrong. It was great that I did, but you know, Vince and I had a great relationship at this point in time. And, uh, we were, we were hitting it off pretty good. Well, not only that, it just proves to you and to the audience uh, and to all of us where you were at already so quickly, your, in terms of where your character was at the time you were over. 
pal. You were way over. You're in ring. You're already performing with guys like The Rock, Undertaker, Triple H, and not just in the ring with them. You're at their level, maybe even a little bit better. So it all came together, and I think it was a no-brainer, man. Such a such a cool time for you uh, in your it, career. It was, and people. you know what I get, Paul? Like fans today, they say, Kurt, I hated your guts when you started. But I, you know what? Now I appreciate it. You are such yeah. a great heel. And it's like, that's the best feeling in the world. Like knowing that I got to them, but they appreciate it later in time. You know, it was like, you were awesome. You were the best. I, I, I love to hate you. And it was like, oh, that's great. That's a great compliment. Listen, all that it matters is that they're invested. If they're yeah. invested, either hating you or love you, as long as they're invested, that's Caring all that matters. about you one way or the other. That's yeah. right. You got it. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Woo Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Woo Wings. Yeah! Woo Woo! Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, listen, we have our first clip of the week, and I'm going to set it up here right. because it's December 18th, 2000, Raw in Greenville, South Carolina. They did a show-long storyline where Commissioner Mick Foley makes you versus Vince to be in the main event for the WWF title. And when it looks like you're going to have the match, it ends up being a swerve, and you both attack Mick Foley with Vince then firing him as commissioner. Let's take a look at it this week, Kurt. Here we go. You know, Mr. McMahon, Mick Foley has gone too far. I mean, he would love to embarrass us. He would love to see you and I beat each other up in the ring. Well, yeah, the thing about it, though, is Vince McMahon, once again, is WWF champion. You know, that doesn't sound too bad, Kurt. It's all right. It's not that great. No, but, but think about it. Here, Foley's trying to humiliate me, see? Think about it. What could humiliate Foley any better than Vince McMahon, two-time World Wrestling Federation champion? Think about it. I, 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 I got to go, Vince. I gotta... Yeah. Vince McMahon. think about this idea Vince McMahon versus Kurt Angle the more I don't like it thank God oh God I was the more I love it I mean this is a great idea think about it why well just think about it if I become World Wrestling Federation champion tonight just think about what this would do to Mick Foley it would drive him just as crazy as my wife it would drive him right over the edge think about that 
Mick Foley, okay, now having to deal with me, Vince McMahon, World Wrestling Federation champion. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it, Vince. It's I, a big deal. All you got to do is take a couple of shots. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll try not to lay them in too hard. I mean, you know, and, and I'll just cover you real quick for the one, two, three. It's not, you know. With all due respect, sir, no freaking way. I'm not just going to lay down and give you my title. Really? Let me remind you where you are and who you are. You're not in the Olympics. You're in the World Wrestling Federation, okay? Yes, I know. And who brought you here? Me, Vince McMahon, a billionaire, all right? Think about it. Well, can I ask you a question? With, with all your billions, do you have these? Where are your gold medals? Huh? Where are your gold medals? That's right, you don't have any. And you're not getting these? And you're not getting my title either, Mr. McMahon. Listen, Mick, you win, okay? I don't know what you want to hear. Just don't make me go through with this match tonight. I mean, either Vince has something up his sleeve that's going to cost me my title, or I'm beaten up and humiliating the owner of this company. And I have enough enemies here. I don't need Vince McMahon, too, you know? Kurt, I'd like to help you. I really would. There's just one problem, you see. After I made the match, I called my wife at home, and she's so excited about the match that if I were to call it off, I'm... I'm afraid that she'd ask for a divorce. <laughs> I can't do it in match stage, Kurt. You know something, man? I'm not going to forget this. Neither will I, Kurt. <laughs> Neither will I. I don't know. I'm a little concerned. No matter who wins. Yeah, Mr. McMahon's old daughter heard her not call him a mean old bastard. That's what she did. And I'd have to be uh, prone to agree with that judgment. Stephanie McMahon Helmsley is, uh, is actually in some ways a very wise young lady. Look at the intensity on Vince's face. Oh, I know it. I mean, I, I, I think that Vince really, he really thinks he can beat Kurt Angle. He really thinks he can become the WWF champion. McMahon has been champion on one occasion. That's right, he is a former champ. And that was a cluster. Look at this stand. What? Hey, hey well, well, JR, I'll give the devil his due. Vince McMahon can be very tough in that ring. Obviously, keeping good shape. Hey, Hi, Vince. He's talking to you. Vince, that you're the reason your wife had a nervous breakdown. Is that I'm the reason? Oh, 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 yes, the he got two points. He's playing this an amateur contest. He got two points. He took down the Olympic champion. First of all, I want to thank you, Mick Foley, for booking this match. You're welcome, Vince. You're welcome. Because, quite frankly, what you have just seen is me, Vince McMahon, a former state amateur champion, just take down and score two points on the Olympic gold medalist. It's true, it's true. We saw it history here. I had no idea, quite frankly, it was going to be this easy. Man! It was pretty easy for Vince. Look out! Oh! Oh, Kurt, so good, man. That brought back some fun memories, huh? Oh, yeah. I love Mick. He's so entertaining. (laughs) 
We, uh, we're just going to end the clip there because it's just an extended beatdown on Foley from you and Vince. You guys beat the shit out of him. So listen, this is the only time you're supposed to get in the ring to wrestle Vince, and it doesn't happen. Are you disappointed that you never got a, a full-scale match with Vince McMahon? I mean, he does. He is going to say that he got two points on you. <laughs> you're right. You know what? Yes, I am disappointed. Listen, Vince McMahon is money. Whenever he wrestles, fans watch. They pay to see it. They buy pay-per-views. They do the whole ball of wax. And he's wrestled all the top superstars. So I would love to have a match with Vince. It's not guaranteed it's going to be a great match, but you know, you're going to have a match with Vince McMahon and you're going to make some money from it. There you go. That's true. It's not always about how technical he is, but man, it's box office and box office equals dollars. So there you go. Let's talk about the other McMahon. And that is Shane, who you are synonymous with. Are you nervous when you, when you're put with Shane in the street fight at King of the ring 2001? Cause again, it's not like he's, you know, wrestling every day, running up and down the roads. He's a, a spot wrestler. If you will, are you nervous about it? Yeah, this was around the beginning of Shane McMahon. I mean, I think he might have had one or two matches prior to this, but this is the beginning of uh, Shane O'Mac, you know, the stuff he was able to produce in the ring. And uh, I wasn't nervous at all. I, the only time I got nervous is when I tried to throw him through the glass and uh, it didn't break. <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, I knew Vince was going to be really pissed off. It was his son. And the thing was, I was telling Shane, when it didn't break, I said, let's move on. Let's just go to the next spot. He's like, no, throw me through the fucking glass. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Shane's going to want to go through regardless. No matter how many times we do it, he's going to want to go through. And I heard Vince McMahon got out of his seat, and he's getting ready to stop the match. And uh, thank God the next time I threw him through, he went through. So you throw him through the glass. It finally breaks. The match is over. You go back. Well, don't it's forget. After I threw him through the glass, yeah. I had to throw him through back through the other glass. Oh, yeah. You beat the and, living uh, <laughs> shit out of him, his son. His, and that his, didn't work, and he bounced off it, hit his head, and then I threw him face first through the glass, and that's when it worked. <laughs> so when you come back, though, is Vince, uh, what does Vince say to you after that? Usually when I come back, he says, great match. He gives me a hug. He didn't say anything. He wasn't. He didn't say you had a horrible match or I think but he was nothing. just pissed. And I think he was a little stunned at what occurred in that match that Shane took a rabid beating. And uh, I think he was really concerned for his son. He wasn't happy with either one of us is what I'm saying. Uh, well, listen, Kurt, the good news is we have a solution when the glass does break. And I'm talking about with your automobile this time, because that is where CarShield can help. CarShield makes it easy and affordable to protect your car from expensive repairs, and they can help you too. And that's just for starters. They are the number one auto protection company in the U.S., and they offer protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. That plan covers more car parts than ever before. Whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles, CarShield is there for you. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators will handle the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or headaches you're taken care of. Same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include, listen to this, coast-to-coast -coast roadside assistance. Their administrators are there with your rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. So get coverage today and you'll lock in your price now. And guess what? It's never going to go up once you lock in. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. So CarShield does. They protect my wallet from expensive car repairs and they'll do the same for you. 
Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Well, Kurt, we're around the summer of 2001. It's when you, Vince, and Austin do all those great comedy skits. You know the ones I'm talking about. In particular, <laughs> playing the guitar and Jimmy Crackcorn and I don't care. Cowboy and but, hey, Bud, you know I wasn't going to let us get through that sh- this show without <laughs> playing a clip of it. This is our final clip of the week. And here it is. Kurt, Stone Cold, Vince, and Deborah. I'm trying to cheer up Mr. McMahon. What are you doing? You got no business being in here. You're cheering him up singing a song? It's chicken soup for the soul. I'm inspiration. Look at him. He's relieved. His hair's going back. Look. Look at you. Look at me. It's written all over you. What? Look at him. What? You're jealous. Of that? You're jealous of my relationship with Vince McMahon. You're jealous of the fact that I can sing. Hey, you can sing. I I was in the Glee Club in high school. Two years. Really? Yeah. Can you play the axe? What's the axe? It's the guitar. The guitar? Uh, Well, I played the ukulele. It's got two less strings, but I, I think I could probably carry a tune yeah you can't play the guitar yes i can you can't play the guitar yes i can you can yes i can you can i can you can can here you talk me into it over, i'll help you out okay oh, just to cheer vince up right that's what i'm trying to do i'll help you out do you really <clears throat> think this is a good idea well it was till he come in um can you move over? You make me nervous. Yeah. Not another way. Make your wife. So. Okay. Okay. I think this one will cheer you up, Vince. Um. <clears throat> okay. Go ahead. Here we go. Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. I got Olympic gold. I got Olympic gold. I got Olympic Dirt. gold. Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. Jimmy What? What are you doing? I'm trying to cheer up Vince. Cheer up who? Vince. Where is he? What are you doing? You ran him out of the room. You stink. You're horrible. You're pathetic. Well, I wasn't any worse than you were. I listened to you when I walked in. I spent a lot of money on guitar lessons. I'm great. Tell him I'm great. Well, they That's did. right. They didn't work. Did too? Did not. Did too. Did not. Did too. Did not. 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 Did Kurt, uh, this is good stuff. So what did you think, though, about all the silly skits in particular? Did it, you all need several takes to get through some of them? I just can't imagine you yeah. all keeping straight faces. You know what? At first, we were laughing our asses off, and Vince <laughs> was getting really pissed off because we would start the pre-tape, and someone would start laughing, and Vince would be like, fuck, you know, okay, no more. Let's get serious. And after about five times, Vince said, okay, 
Next time somebody interrupts this and starts laughing before I yell cut, you're getting fined $2,000. So everybody got real serious and nobody laughed until Vince yelled cut. But once Vince yelled cut, we were laughing our asses off. Oh, I bet, man. Yeah, but um, I do believe that I owed Vince $8,000 because I laughed four times, uh, but but he didn't charge me. It, you know what it would have been real. It would have been fun. Did you ever get asked or talked to about hosting Saturday night, uh, Saturday night live? That no, no, surprisingly. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if it had to do with, you know, WWE containing me, um, because of my, uh, you know, my secret addiction, you know, stuff that was going on with me. I was, gotcha. I was injured, uh, the addiction thing for a couple of years. Um, uh, they never really reached out. And if they did, maybe WWE just said, Hey, not the right time for it. Uh, so, but because I, I mean, I think that at one point in time in my career, I, I could have been on there. You could have been amazing on, on a show like that, a skit show like that. Well, listen, we talked about how you never wrestled Vince, but you did tag up on TV a couple of times. You lost to the rock and Trish Stratus on December 3rd, 2001. It's the raw from Milwaukee. If you guys want to go back and look at it. And because of the loss, Vince was to kiss the rocks ass on the next SmackDown. Were you glad you never got booked to be put in one of the Vince's kiss my ass club segments, dude? Thank God, man. Uh, I dodged that bullet. I don't know how, because everybody kissed Vince's ass and uh, to kiss his ass. Literally that would have (laughs) sucked. I guess. I mean, but we're talking to the guy right now that had to bury his face in Rikishi's stinky ass. So I didn't bury my face in it. He buried his ass on my face. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't didn't wipe his ass after he went to the bathroom. I know. That's that's great clarity on that one. So true. So we're at March 28th, 2002. It's SmackDown from Philadelphia. And you defeated Triple H and Ric Flair, which we talked about a bit a few months ago. Could you tell us again about you and Vince getting into a little bit of a wrestling match on the plane flight from the UK back to the US and the whole story about it? Take us back. All right. It was a different plane ride from hell. Um, We were coming back from, I believe, Asia. And um, we were on the plane. Vince was feeling frisky, was drinking wine, a lot of wine. And um, so I was trying to sleep. And Vince kept having these talent wrestlers come to me and say, hey, Kurt, I need to talk to you. Can you come to the back of the plane? One of them was Lita. One was Trish. I guess Vince thought I was a womanizer. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so he usually had women come get me. And I didn't smarten up after three women. You know, it was like, okay, Vince keeps doing this. And uh, so I would go better to the back of the plane and Vince would jump out from two seats and jump on me and, uh, you know, surprise me. And I'd reverse him and get him down and hold him down. And I'd say, are we good? He says, yeah, we're good. And it would be over. And I'd go back to my seat. And then Vince kept doing this for five hours. We were in the plane for five hours and, you know, he knew that I smartened up and he couldn't get me out of my chair by having someone come get me. So he started just jumping on me. You know, when he would wait five minutes, I'd fall asleep and he'd jump on me on my, on my seat and start trying to wrestle me. And I would reverse him and get him down. And I must've did this 25 times. What? And uh, one time we were near the, door you know when you hit the latch and you open the door and you go oh, out of the plane we were hitting the latch we were wrestling and we were leaning on it and the flight attendants like listen the pilot said if you guys continue to do this he's he's uh he's gonna land the plane right now and vince goes tell the pilot go fuck himself i'll buy the fucking plane oh. <laughs> and we just kept wrestling and there was wine all over the floor the floors were white carpet red wine everywhere it was horrible so we're getting ready to land. Okay. This flight attendant's stressed out. 
She doesn't know what to do with Vince. Vince is uh, down uh, up in the front of the plane. I'm in the back and I'm laying down. I'm going to, I'm starting to go to sleep. We start landing. We're getting ready to touch ground. And Chris Jericho sitting in front of me and he looks down the aisle and he goes, he, he, he looks behind and he says, Hey, Kurt, look, who's coming down the aisle. And I look down as the plane's landing on the ground, Vince's army crawling to jump on me one more time. <laughs> what was so wrong with not him? Even in his seat when we're landing the plane. It was crazy, man. The whole trip was like that. And Vince, you know, one thing about Vince, what he likes to do, if Mike Tyson came up to him, he'd say, Mike, I want to know what it's like to get knocked out, but knock me out. Okay. He, he wants to know what it feels like to wrestle an Olympic gold medalist. That's what he wanted. Vince is that type of guy. He has to feel what that person's power is. It's crazy. Ah, uh, man. He just kept coming and coming yeah, and all coming night, all night, five straight oh. hours. It was a pain man. in my ass. Yeah, it and I sounds like anything it. about it. He was my boss. He's your boss. And you just got to <laughs> deal with the shit. Like, okay, is this yeah. over or what? What are we doing? Oh, if you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Save with Conrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Save with Conrad.com. Now let's talk about though overall your relationship with Vince. Is it just growing stronger and stronger? I know you've considered him and you've said it multiple times as a father figure. Were you feeling that way here early on? Yes. And, and the way, you know, it is when Vince remembers you on the hall. like 1201 AM in the morning, new year's Eve or new year's day, Vince would call me. I'd be the first person he called happy mm. new year, you know, uh, December 25th, uh, Mer Merry Christmas, you know, Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, that you have Vince's attention and that, you know, you're real close with him. He does that. And he was doing that for a while until I, you know, got into the painkillers and I started separating myself from him, but, uh, up in, at, at this point in time, we were really tight. Well, let's talk about something that, uh, as the relationship changes and you change, and again, we know what's going on. You told us a bit in the past about your exit from WWE in 06, how Vince wouldn't return your calls, how you felt like you had to literally pull your trunks down in front of everyone to show him how badly your groin was injured, how you pretty much begged him to release you from the company. What are your memories of Vince and interacting or the lack of it during that time? Well, you know what? It, it, I Looking back, it was all my fault. It was my actions. It was me, uh, uh, my behavior, what I did with the painkillers, uh, what I did with lashing out at Vince, uh, calling him, threatening him, uh, texting him, telling him I'm going to beat the crap out of him next time I see him because he won't return my calls. You know, Vince was like, he was a father figure to me. And at this point in time, he was teaching me a lesson. He was distancing himself from me because I wasn't listening to him by lowering my painkillers and start weaning off of them. Vince knew I continued on with the painkillers and he wanted me to go to re. And uh, I kept lashing out at him because I was getting injured. The painkillers were getting worse. Um, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I felt like um, he wasn't listening to me, although he was, he just uh, was teaching me a lesson. Um, and, uh, I just felt like, um, I wasn't appreciated and, uh, you know, looking back at it now, I know it, all of it was my fault. I should have went to rehab when he wanted me to, because I went to rehab like six or seven years later. It took me that long to realize I was an addict. And, uh, I wish I would have went when Vince told me, I probably would have stayed in the company and would have been there for 20 something. And to Don't your get point, me wrong, I love my yeah. run in TNA. I absolutely love TNA. I'm glad I did it. But looking back, 
I think that if I would have listened to Vince yeah. and did the rehab, I would have stayed in the company. And to your point, you know, you put yourself in Vince's shoes. He's giving you the ultimatum rehab or I release you. And then you have a guy who's completely out of control. Who's saying, I'm going to kick your ass, blowing <laughs> it up, call him. I'm going to stop answering the phone too. Most people, yeah, are, right? you know what? I don't blame him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was yeah. pissed off at the time, but you know what? In that meeting, he was like, uh, there were three pages of typed uh, uh, me uh, text messages and, and voicemail messages wow. saying, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to beat the shit out of you when I see you. Vince yeah. was so mad. He got up and said, let's go right now. I was like, oh my God, my boss, my father figure wants to kick my ass right now. I didn't know what to do. He was at wit's end too. He was at yes, wit's he end was. too. He was, and he was ready to beat my ass. He was ready to and fight. I, Even if you beat his ass, he was ready to mix it up. <laughs> well, you know? I, I respect him too much. I would have let yeah. him beat my ass. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I left yeah. the room and I started crying. Absolutely. I felt like I didn't have anywhere to go, what to do. And I walked in and Vince did not want to release me. He wanted me to go to rehab. And I said, listen, Vince, if you don't let me go, I'm going to kill myself. And I didn't mean that I was going to commit suicide. I meant that I was going to kill myself with yeah, pills. Yeah. And he put his hands up. He said, you're released. He said, listen, just think about going to rehab, come back in six months and your contract will be here waiting. For you. And you know what? The next day I went called TNA and I never looked back. You can say what you want to about Vince, but when tough love was needed for Kurt Angle, he was there to give it to you, whether he you liked was. it or not. And you know what? I learned that when I came back, you know, he, he, when I came back in 2017, it was like, we never skipped a beat. He was so happy to see me. It was like the prodigal son coming home to his father and Vince uh, forgave me and said, let's just move on. Let's not even think about it because he knew you had grown up. You finally did go to rehab and I'm sure that made it when he heard that about you probably made his heart swell to see that you kicked out and turned You're things right. around. Definitely. Yeah. You know, listen, it's time to pause here. Cause we want to talk about something. We're talking about family. We're talking about the, fa the father figure in Kurt Angle's life was Vince McMahon. And that is something that Kurt and I are both super passionate about. It's about our families. And I want to share with you something, uh, that we're also passionate about and that's protecting them. And yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. I want you to think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. None of us are going to live forever. You all need life insurance because unfortunately our time on this planet is not forever. I want you to think about that. Let that reality sink in. Now think about what would happen if your number was called tomorrow. Would your family still have access to your income? If not, you need to have a plan for that. You need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now I've had two friends in their forties in the last year and a half. And uh, I don't even want to think about where their families would be if they did not have life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. It's a no-brainer. It's common sense. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made it very, very simple and affordable. GoliathLife.com streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers. That's right, options. And they do it within minutes. And you pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I know it's easy because I've done it. They send someone to my office. I skip the phone calls, the paperwork, and all those crazy invasive conversations. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. No hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. God, I love no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home. That's right. Just go to your computer, begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. 
Well, Kurt, we know when you came back to WWE for the Hall of Fame in 2017 was the first time you met Vince in 11 years, more than a decade. But did you ever communicate on the phone or text during your time away at all? No, never. Not for 11 years. Not one peep, not one call, not one text. Um, there was one point where I wanted to come back in 2015 and, uh, I reached out to triple H and, uh, actually, I'm sorry. I reached out to Terry Taylor Okay. and, uh, Terry Taylor reached out to triple H and Vince and two words Vince said, bad reputation. Uh, Vince didn't want any part of me in 2015. Uh, that's when I had the DUIs, you know, everything of my whole life was spinning, you know, spiraling down. And uh, he, he'd had no interest in bringing me back. And I knew right then that I had to build up my reputation. So I spent the last two years, those two years, uh, sh- proving to everybody that I could stay clean and that uh, I, I was a good role model. And uh, I had to do that in order to come back. Well, Kurt, WWE did a whole network special about your WWE homecoming and the moment you met the first time again, hugged in his office. It was funny because he's like, get out of here. Get the camera crew out of here as soon as he hugged you. How emotional was that day for you? I, I cried. Uh, it, it was, it was very emotional. Um, I felt like, uh, I finally, uh, redeemed myself. I got back to the WWE and I got the one guy that, that, that wasn't forgiving me to forgive me. And, uh, Vince, I, I believe that Vince forgave me right after I left in 2006, but I didn't know it until I got back in 2017. And it was really cool that he was like, Hey, let's just forget what, let's just move on and continue on like we were before. And I thought that was great. Were you the one that said, Hey, I, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Did you start that? And then he said, let's just forget it. Yeah. That's exactly what I said is Vince. I'm sorry about everything. He said, stop right now. Wow. Let's just, let's just put it in the past. There you go. Mm. Well, you're back in the fold and uh, I want to talk about your time as general manager. That was also a lot of fun. How hands-on was Vince with you during those backstage segments? Did it feel like, Hey, we're right back in sync, right back in the old re- routine together. Yeah, Vince spent a lot of time with me backstage with the GM segments, uh, which was a lot of fun to work with him. The only thing missing was Brian Gwartz. I'm not saying the writers were bad. They were actually really good. But he's but something else. They didn't else. have the flavor of yeah. Brian. Yeah, yeah. He, that was, yeah he's next that level. Was different. If I had Brian writing for me in 2017, my GM role would have been a lot more entertaining. Uh, for sure. Now, did you notice any changes in Vince as you worked with him now versus back those <laughs> no, many years ago? Nothing. No different. The same old man, the same jacked, um, just uh, crazy ass old man. Yes. <laughs> he just didn't tackle you in an airplane like 25 times. No, no tackling. <laughs> Although he could, he's still a stud. You should see him still to this day. Oh, I bet. Well, we saw him at WrestleMania with the old tank top and he looked yep. better than any 70 some year old should look. What about now, Kurt? What's your relationship with him right now? Could you just, you feel like you can call or text him anytime and he'll write back to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I called him. I text him. Um, you know, when this whole situation went down, I just said, I love you Vince. And he said, love you too. I don't have to tell him what I'm thinking. I just have to reach out to him and say, Hey, I'm pulling for you. And you know, he gets it. And, yeah. uh, we don't have to talk about anything that's going on in life. Just, just reaching out to each other and telling each other, we still care about each other and we love each other is, is good enough. Well, you mentioned it, everything going on nowadays in his retirement. And you put a tweet out, and it said, After winning a gold medal in 1996, I found my second calling because of Vince McMahon. Thank you for believing in me and giving me the opportunity of a lifetime. I love you, Vince. P.S. I'm still Vince's favorite, Steve Austin. <laughs> he tags down gold. <laughs> that was fun, man. So, I love the fact, though, that you 
Hey, I know he's going through a shit storm, but I still want to make my feelings known about what he meant to me. He meant the world to me. That guy changed my life. Um, what he was able to do, uh, not just a, as a, the owner of WWE and, and being my mentor and my father figure, but, um, you know, I learned so much from him. Uh, you know, the one thing I learned from Vince McMahon more than anything was work ethic. He's the hardest working man I've ever seen in my life. The guy gets two hours sleep a night. It's unbelievable. He trains, he trains in the middle of the night. He trains from one to three in the morning, goes to sleep at three 30 to five 30, wakes up, works all day until late at night. He'll do the shows. And then afterward, he'll go to a hotel. Uh, they'll stop check in and then they'll go to a gym. They'll run out of gym in the middle of the night. He'll train for two hours and come back to the hotel and sleep for two hours. The guy's a machine. Yeah, I think uh, I just saw something. I believe it was Heyman who put something out recently that just said, say what you want about Vince McMahon, but his work ethic and creativity and everything about him have made so many people in this business rich, so much money, thanks to him, you know, and, and that's so true. All right, Kurt, let's get to the fan questions. First one from Instagram, a wrestling historian. What's the best thing that you learned from Vince McMahon? I, you know what? I just said it, uh, work ethic, um, you know, knowing how hard he worked, uh, he made you want to work harder. Uh, you know, I remember one night we were in Boston and we had to tape over uh, a SmackDown taping uh, of a spot Undertaker and I had to do. And um, it, it wasn't bad. Like on TV, it wasn't bad when we, we did it that night, but Vince wanted it to be perfect. So what happened was I had uh, um, uh, Undertaker in a chokehold and he was pinning me and he tapped at the same time I got pinned. And he didn't tap the mat. He tapped my my body. And Vince wanted him to tap the mat. So we had to wait till everybody left at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning to redo the, the, the scene that we did in the ring for SmackDown. It was the main event that night. And they had to get all the WWE employees in one corner of the arena. And they had to shoot it from the other side so it looked like fans were still there. So we had to wait like three hours to, for everyone to leave the arena and uh, – and and do the and do the uh, spot there. Yeah, that is Vince. Vince wants everything to be perfect. He's going to work as hard as he possibly can work to make sure it's perfect. That is Vince McMahon. He's a perfectionist. He's the hardest working guy I've ever seen in my life, and he's very creative. Umar asks, "What is the most outrageous Vince McMahon story you have experienced or heard?" Well, the plane ride from hell. <laughs> you That's know. pretty. But but you know what? I'm going to tell you what he did one time. He used to rib me a lot. Um, uh, when I first started, he, uh, he was looking at this piece of paper and he was in his office. I was sitting in his, in his, on his couch in his office. This was at TVs at an arena in some city. I forget where it was. And he was in the corner and he's reading this paper. He goes, Kurt, come over here. I want to show you something. So I come over and I'm like, why is he in the corner? He's like buried himself in the corner. So I have to get next to him in the corner and like weasel myself in to see the piece of paper. And he starts laughing underneath his breath. And I start smelling something really bad. <laughs> and oh my he God. farted and he wanted me to smell it. Oh, okay. my. it's a 65 year old man. He loves toilet farted. humor. Yeah. Me. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck, Vince? He, he has got a reputation for love and toilet humor. So that makes oh total my God. sense. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. Well, listen, guys, I know you sent in some more questions. We'll get to those. Kurt's got a flight to catch, yes, but I listen, do. we mentioned 
Next week, we have some someone special joining us. It's Brian Gerwartz talking about his time in the WWE, writing for Kurt, and he has a new book coming out. We can't wait to hear about it. He's uh, he's a seven bucks producer, works with The Rock and and, and uh, on his staff. So, Kurt, I can't wait for that one. I know you're stoked. I am stoked. He was my favorite writer. He means the world to me. He's just as important to me as Vince McMahon. Oh, I can't wait. Before we get out of here, let's run through it, and I'm going to do it auctioneer style again, Kurt, so we can get you out of here. Chicken Snacks, physicallyfit.com, 20% off, anglepod. If you use the code anglepod, Kurt's showing them off right now. Sriracha, all kinds of flavors, right, Kurt? Yes, we have 11 different flavors. We have plant protein and chicken protein. We're coming out with whey protein, too, and they taste incredibly well. Uh They're going to be called Smart Snacks, crispy protein bites. Uh, but uh, you can get them at physicallyfit.com. If you want to become a lifetime member, you'll get 20% off for the rest of your life. Anytime you order the chicken snacks or the snack smart crispy protein bites. Uh, so uh, you get them at physicallyfit.com and they're incredible. You're going to love them. Check out KurtAnglebrand.com. You can find one of those silly cowboy hats. Also, that's where you can get your cameos, some T-shirts, other Kurt Angle merch. So check that out and support our Olympic hero. Uh, also, WildcatBelts.com. Uh, again, two left. Uh, Kurt, I saw a really cool post with you posing with the two belts that are left. So make sure you head over to WildcatBelts. That's W-I-L-D-C-A-T-B-E-L-T-S.com. Go ahead, Kurt. Oh. How do you order that? Because I had a couple of fans that wanted to buy the last two belts. Oh, wow. They, they commented on the Instagram and they said, I can't order it. You can't order it off the page. And, and, and I called the wildcat belts guy and he said that you have to order it through him. So yeah, well, you, you can, fi- you can find his email address on the website. Okay. So email him. So go to well, wildcatbelts.com and there is an email address for Andrew and wildcat belts, shoot him an email and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah. Two people wanted the last two belts. All right. Well, there you go. How to do it. Yeah. So guys hurry up, get on your computers and get it before they're gone forever. And then Saturday, Kurt, it's just a couple weeks away. August 27th, you and I are jumping on airplanes and we're headed to Wisconsin to the timber rattlers game. It's podcast at the plate and, uh, there's pregame podcast packages available. You can ask Kurt questions. He's going to throw out the first pitch, uh, but man, we're going to have a blast. You can Google uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers and check out their schedules and promos and see all the stuff that's going to go down there. Kurt, you're going to get sick of me this month. You're going to <laughs> yes, see me. I am. I'm going to see you tomorrow. I'm going to see you on the 27th. I see, see every freaking week. <laughs> Top Guy Weekend in Chicago. That's Don't right. forget about uh, that. That's uh, six days later, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to puke. Kurt's going to puke. <laughs> oh, man, so good. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, the more we hang out, the more we get to know each other, and that's going to make this show even scarier. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, but I appreciate you doing it this week. Again, Brian Gewurz next week. We have some other guests lined up coming, too, that we're excited about. We appreciate all your support on the Kurt Angle Show. And, and tell everybody about it on social media. Promote it. Share it. Tell us what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, don't share it, okay? We only want to hear the good shit. Uh, on behalf of the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell. We'll be back again next week right here on the Kurt Angle Show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.